A mayor's job is never done. No matter what year it is or how good a town is doing, there will still be a budget to do, roads to maintain, and a school year to kick off. So how does a successful longtime public servant decide when the time is right to get new eyes into City Hall? We're bringing on Waterbury Mayor and former CCM President Neil O'Leary to talk to us about his decision not to run after 12 years in office and what the future holds for a lifelong public servant. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. The Municipal Voice is the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with WNHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state-local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or our member municipal leaders. Mayor Leary, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So you've been in public service for over 40 years now. Uh, you started off in the police department, rose to the ranks to be police chief before becoming mayor. Um, and obviously being a police officer and being mayor of kind of different roles. So first, I want to talk about being a police officer a little bit. What drew you to becoming a police officer in the first place? Well, the funny part is I actually... Uh joined the Waterbury Police Department with the intentions of uh, working for a, a few years to save up money uh, to go to law school. And uh, as it turned out, I liked it so much, I never left. Um, yeah. So well, with all my intentions of, uh, you know, working three to four years as a police officer to save up money to go to law school, I uh, contemplated going to law school on a part-time basis. And then I don't know. I just I fell in love with the police yeah. department really early on in my career, and and uh, I just decided that that was uh, what I was destined to do, and that's where I stayed. I never I never <laughs> to, uh, fulfilled my dream of going to law school, but uh, I certainly had a great career at the police department. But no, no regrets. None. How did you feel like you could help your community in the role of a police officer? Well, you know, being a police officer in nineteen eighty. Uh, is a lot different, of course, than being a police officer in 2023. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things I really enjoyed the most, honestly, was helping people, right? Mm -hmm. and that's what you always hear. But, you know, the role of police officer in Waterbury uh, and everywhere else is to protect and serve. And uh, you know, we had uh, a very progressive police department uh, all the way back to 1980 with a very progressive chief of police whose name was Frederick T. Sullivan, and uh, he actually introduced community policing all the way back in 1981. And we were, yeah. I remember we were the first police department in Connecticut that actually started a community policing unit. I wasn't assigned to it, but certainly that was the mantra of the Waterbury Police Department mm -hmm. community always. And I enjoyed getting to know the people in the Waterbury community. I, I knew, obviously, knew a lot of people in Waterbury when I went on the police department. But working with uh, some of the more challenged uh, sections of the city, and um, I, I think what I enjoyed most, Matt, was uh, working with the youth and the, you know the young people and trying to get them, um, you know, to appreciate what the role of a police officer was and is mm -hmm. in their community. Um, through that type of uh, community policing initiatives, working uh, side by side with the young people instead of in a, um, a disciplinarian or a authoritarian uh, role 
Yeah. Uh, you know, just to make a lot of friends and, and quite frankly, have a lot of fun. Definitely. And how did that change when you did become a police, uh, chief of police in 2004? Actually, that was probably laid the foundation for when I became uh, the chief in 2004. Mm -hmm. My career then was 24 years in with the PD. And, uh, you know, we immediately started what's called the Police Activity League. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, we now have one of the largest Police Activity League organizations in the country. And what's involved in, in the Police Activity League? Well, it's 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 where where you, uh, the Police Activity League, or otherwise known as the Police Police Athletic League, mm -hmm. uh, have been around for over 100 years. But the model was is, uh, to integrate the, the police department and police officers uh, deeper into the community using, uh, you know, students and youth uh, to mm -hmm. do so. As I mentioned, we had been doing that since 1980, uh, but we, we really organized this, uh, what we call PAL, in 2004, and we bought uh, some property. Uh, we bought a vacant school. We bought a vacant mm -hmm. uh, Catholic field house. Uh, we bought a. Uh, we ended up buying almost uh, a whole campus in the north end section of the city, which was uh, one of our most challenged areas. And and uh, the first year we had 87 students uh, that were members of the police activity league, and uh, the next year we had a thousand. Wow. And uh, you know, it was so successful working with the teachers and working with the school administrators. Uh, it's a program now that uh, has been in effect since 04, and now we service over 4,000 children annually. And uh, it's been a great success story and a model for other uh, PALs across the country and, quite frankly, other PAL programs in the state of Connecticut. And again, it's working with youth and students. Uh, we run homework havens. We run athletic programs, nutrition programs. We run every summer. We run free swim programs where we teach more than 700 children a year how to swim. Mm -hmm. uh, so that uh, obviously we worry about them. We teach. We we call the program how not to drown. Yeah. And those who, students who are really acclimated and enjoy swimming, we get them into the YMCA. Uh, to swim competitively. And the others, uh, we just teach them the basic uh, skills of swimming so that, uh, you know, we've been very fortunate and we've had very few drownings since we've yeah. started this program. You know, and it's, again, it's it's working, you know, with police officers side by side in the community, uh, particularly with uh, students uh, and disadvantaged youth and, uh, you know, it's been a very successful program. It's received national uh, attention for several years now. And it's just, uh, it's, you know, the timing of it was perfect uh, way back then. And I think it really made a big difference uh, during the years uh, where there was some unrest, uh, civil unrest with the George Floyd and related issues. I think uh, the PAL program and its inception over time. Uh, was easier for our youth to understand a little bit more that the police are our our friends and and supporters yeah. and not our adversaries. Yeah, I, I guess that that's part of it is you know there's the sports, but also some programs like these are important to prevention and service in a lot of ways. No question about it. Uh, you know, so many of our PAL students uh, who were maybe heading in the wrong direction. Um, turn themselves around a little bit. Um, really, I think, too, one of the things that needs to be 
recognize. And one of the most important aspects of the PAL program is parental engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the, you know, we, we were very um, open. We had open arms for parents and aunts and uncles and even grandparents who wanted to participate in the PAL program with their, with their yeah. children. And that's made a big difference. It continues to make a big difference even right up until present time. That's great. So you retired from your role as police chief in 2009. Um, and in that year, you uh, made a pivot and started to serve uh, on the city's board of education. Was this a passion that you ha- had had before or were you just driven by a urge to help the community in any way you could? How did that come about? You know, after starting the, the uh, PAL program in 2004, mm-hmm. I, I became really interested in how we could further our students' opportunities for better, you know, educational uh, focus. Uh, a big part of PAL was education. And uh, as I said, after school programs, mentoring and tutoring programs. And so I got very interested in education. I have a family full of educators. And so I, I went on as uh, the Board of Education as a commissioner uh, from 2009 until I was elected mayor. And the focus really was how to you know, teach our students and families and, and uh, how we could better our educational opportunities, uh, especially for our uh, population of students who obviously uh, were, you know, impacted uh, by poverty situations, uh, broken homes, um, challenges, uh, not only in the home, but in the family structure as well. And, you know, I was intrigued by how we could do better. And that's why I went on the Board of Education. And that I really enjoyed that period of time. That was about a two and a half year run on that before I got elected to the mayor's office. Yeah. So as you mentioned, right after that, you got elected to the mayor's office in 2011. At this point, you've been elected to four terms and you're one of the longest serving mayors in Waterbury history. I think the longest consecutive uh, serving mayor. What made you say after a career in the police force and, and the other stuff, yeah, I want to run for mayor? Oh, I think my uh, background as a police officer, police chief, and then commissioner on the board of ed, one of the things I realized is that if you really want to make change, mm-hmm. you can do a lot of great things as a police chief and you can do the same as police, excuse me, as board of ed commissioner. But if you really want to have an impact on a community at large, at, at the best and most significant way is to pursue the mayor's office. Uh, the mayor of any city, uh, mayors, uh, first selectmen uh, have significant authority in their communities. And in Waterbury, we have a strong mayor form of government, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, gives anyone who is interested a real opportunity. If you, if you really want to put in the time and the effort and the commitment and a lot of times sacrifices, family sacrifices and other things, but yeah. you, know, you yeah. can really change a community uh, if you are in the mayor's office and you're like-minded and really committed to making the community more accessible for better education opportunities, um, poverty relief, um, taking care of just so many, a variety of issues. Uh, And the mayor's office and here in the city of Waterbury is the platform to do so. So I learned that when I was chief, I was a little frustrated. We couldn't get certain things done. 
on the Board of Education, I was frustrated a little bit because I thought we could do better. And I thought, well, maybe the next best step is to run for mayor, which we did successfully in 11. Yeah. And as you mentioned, I've been here now. I've only got a few months left, but I've been here for 12 years already. Yeah. And look, I'd like to think that we've had a pretty significant impact on the city over the last 12 years in many different ways. Definitely. And as we said, it's been 12 years now, but thinking back, how did it feel to win the support of your city to, you know, be elected mayor? Well, it was a pretty contentious battle the first time around. Um, mm -hmm. I uh, I took on a, a 10 year incumbent, my predecessor. And, uh, you know, so it was uh, it was quite uh, it was quite an election, to be honest with you, Matt. And, yeah. Glad it's over. Uh, and uh, we did win substantial support in that very first time. And and it was very gratifying. Um, I think that the work that we did uh, as a you know, police officer, police chief, board of ed uh, commissioner um, laid the foundation. And, uh, you know, we came in with high hopes and yeah. and uh, a vision of uh, very big dreams. And uh, yeah. frankly, some of them... I think we've uh, done very well with and others uh, we continue to work on. Definitely. Um, talking about some of those big things, what was your most important prerogative when entering the role? Actually, to bring the community together. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, we, you know, um, the election really opened my eyes to uh, even more disparities in the community between ethnic groups uh, between, uh, you know, the elderly population I was very concerned with, uh, and of course, our most tender age uh, students, uh, which is the reason why I ran for mayor in the first place, yeah. to try to make a difference in those areas. And, and uh, you know, we, we started doing, and we were operating, you know, our mantra, and I, you know, a lot of this you hear from political people all the time, um, but we really wanted to be transparent. We wanted people to become more involved in their city government. We wanted to be transparent as we uh, could be, and we have been, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And we also wanted to invite the community to be a part of the solution instead of um, ignoring them, right? Yeah. So that's pretty much what we started from day one. And uh you know, I mean, you. we all know that you can't always keep everyone happy, but we do try to take input from everyone when important decisions need to be made. And I think that for the most part, people would agree that we have been as transparent as anyone could remember uh, from the, the mayor's office perspective. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, one of the hardest things about being the mayor, though, Matt, quite frankly, is sometimes you have to make really hard decisions. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to make some people happy and some people will be unhappy. But if you I think as long as you do it in a transparent manner and people know yeah. that you're trying to do what's right for the city as a whole, mm -hmm. I think it's easier to I think it's easier to get things done. And I think yeah. over the 12 years, we've been able to get an awful lot of things done. Uh, through that method methodology. You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WNHH 103.5 FM. As you mentioned, you know, you've gotten a lot of things done. Some things they're still working on. 
What's something that you learned on the job that you might have thought initially would be easier, but turned out to be an uphill battle or vice versa, something that you thought was going to be a lot harder than it turned out to be? Well, I honestly, I think that to be a successful mayor, one of the things you have to do is you have to build relationships with uh, certainly the state of Connecticut, both mm -hmm. your local representatives and your state senators. And I uh, I credit CCM, uh, um, Connecticut Conference Municipalities, for teaching and mentoring all of us newly elected people uh, during their, our early years in office mm -hmm. and how important it is to build those relationships. And well, I was very fortunate uh, to build strong relationships with both Governor Malloy and our current governor, mm -hmm. uh, Lamont. And, and, you know, I considered both of them to be uh, huge mentors for me, quite frankly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that the challenge that most people have is uh, getting involved with really partisan politics. I think that's where it falls apart, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, um, as a Democrat, um, I was lucky. So Malloy was a Democrat and Governor Lamont is obviously a Democrat. But mm -hmm. uh, I learned the value of working with the Republican Party um, as well and getting things done for the city of Waterbury. In many occasions, I had built strong relationships with people on both sides of the aisle mm -hmm. and went to Hartford very, very frequently. I um, was a staple in the legislative office building, uh, you know, pretty much during the last 12 years of my office and and became fast friends with a lot of those uh, great people. Some of them are going on to retirement and uh, greener pastures, if you yeah. will. But, you know, still building those strong relationships, I think um, I thought it would be difficult, but it really wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be because yeah. people they actually, uh, elected officials really want to help cities um, like Waterbury and uh, especially, uh, you know, the leadership on both caucuses, both the Democrats and Republican caucuses have been very, very helpful uh, over my 12 year tenure. But yeah. particularly in the last several years, we've really, uh, you know, enhanced those relationships. And, and, you know, that has proven to be very helpful for the city in many different ways from funding to uh, battling COVID to everyone uh, putting politics aside and doing what's right for not only our city of Waterbury, but quite frankly, for every other city and town in the state. That's where CCM came in on many different occasions. And of course, during uh, COVID, I mean, we all yeah. decided what was most important and we and we worked together. And I think the, that period of time made those relationships even stronger. Everyone had to work together. There, was, there wasn't a lot of other options. There were not a lot of options. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of politics came out through that. Remember, Matt? So yeah. masks, no masks. In school, out of school. Yeah. Um, you know, parental um, anxiety over many of those issues. And I will always uh, credit uh, Governor Ned Lamont for his leadership during that really difficult period of yeah. time because he brought people together on every level and worked really well, uh, not only with the state legislature, but most importantly, he worked really well with the local officials. Yeah. And right. And so everything is politics is local. Right. And so, you know, it was the boots on the ground. The governor uh, visited not only Waterbury on numerous occasions during COVID, but 
most cities and towns throughout the state as well. And his presence made a big difference in quelling a lot of that anxiety that was coming during those period, those period of times, particularly the partisan politics. I think, I think the governor taught us all a lesson that we all needed to work together yeah. and build relationships. And those relationships still last to, to this minute. You mentioned CCM. And one thing that's important to us here at, at CCM, certainly, was your time as our president uh, of the board of CCM. What was your experience as president? What was something that you got done as president that you're proud of? I have to tell you, I think, uh, by the way, I was the president for two consecutive years of CCM, which I thoroughly enjoyed. First of all, the staff at CCM is amazing uh, and hardworking and and very uh, knowledgeable. And so, and the leadership uh, was, was very, very helpful. And um, as the incoming president, I I enjoyed every minute of my time at the, for those two years. I think um, I think the thing that I enjoyed the most, quite frankly, uh, was you know at our meetings is you know making sure that everyone who everyone's concerns were addressed. Right mm-hmm. to try from don't forget CCM makes up 169 cities and towns in uh, Connecticut. Yep. from our very smallest communities to our largest communities. And the needs are very different, right? So the smallest community has a completely different set of needs compared to Hartford, New Haven, uh, Bridgeport, and Waterbury, right? Yep. And then you get, you know, get into your mid-sized cities. And I think what we try to do, and I think CCM has done very well and continues to do even before I became president, and certainly since, is is to make sure that uh, CCM itself operates in a very transparent manner, mm-hmm. understanding that 169 cities and towns is not an easy task to keep people happy. Um, but I think that the leadership of those cities and towns recognize and understand that CCM is there to help and to yeah. advocate for the cities and towns uh, through the legislature and, of course, through the governor's office. And, and I think CCM has been very successful uh, and that's why the membership is so strong and, uh, you know, working really hard and diligently for our cities and towns and our residents of the state and, and forging really strong relationships with the, uh, the leaders of both the Democratic caucus and the Republican caucus and, of course, the governor's office. Yeah. One thing we always stress at CCM is uh, cooperation between town and cities, regionalization in some cases. How important was collaboration to you personally in City Hall and in your region? Oh, very important. And those are the things that you learn as a newly elected. You know, I joined the city of Waterbury when I got elected, quite frankly, was not part of CCM, which always was Mm -hmm. very confusing to me. Um, So we joined CCM right away. And CCM provided a platform of good learning, not only uh, attending CCM, uh, events throughout the state of Connecticut, but also working with the U.S. Conference of Mayors throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can learn what's happening and what's important in your state, such as ours in Connecticut. But when you're part of the larger picture, you can also learn what's important around the country and the challenges that each community faces. And most importantly, I think, Matt, you learn to collaborate with people yeah. and to understand each other's needs and and try to figure out solutions instead of just piling on, if you will. So. Yeah. I think that's what I learned uh, most from uh, CCM, and I think you know the successful uh, the successful picture 
simply is transparency, um, commitment, compassion, um, understanding each other uh, and, and your need, understanding each other's needs, and really trying as much as humanly possible, recognizing how strong partisan politics is, not only in our state, uh, in our country, but also recognizing that the real work gets done in a bipartisan fashion. And if you can really, you know, put all your egos aside and personalities aside, you can really get some really good work done, especially with a, you know, strong governor such as uh, Governor Lamont. Yeah. So as we mentioned earlier, you are the longest consecutively serving mayor in Waterbury history, four terms. How do you decide that four terms were enough? Well, um, you know, it's 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 funny. When I first got elected, they were two year terms, right? So mm-hmm. in in 2011, you know, we got elected, and we ran again for and two years later in 2013, and we decided that you know the two year term was too short to run a city such as the size of Waterbury. Mm-hmm. You know, really, you know, every 18 months you're campaigning and taking time away from what you should be doing, which is running the city. And it's costly. So we tried it. It had been on the uh, ballot a couple of times to change the city to a four year uh, term and failed. And we tried it in uh, 15 and we were so lucky to get it done uh, and it passed. And we were mm-hmm. thrilled because uh, now we could really work and not worry about running for office every other year, which is completely difficult to do. And it's say the size of Waterbury. But at the end of the day, you know, I think people recognize that we were just working all the time, right? Yeah. Hardworking, being visible. It's a seven-day-a-week job. It's not a yeah. five-day-a-week job. It's it's a seven-day-a-week job showing up uh, at events on Saturdays and Sundays and evenings and holidays. And, uh, you know, we were just everywhere. And yeah. I think the people of Waterbury really appreciated that. And, um, you know, we talk about partisan and bipartisan politics. And, um, you know, after my first election, uh, you know, we did really well, obviously, well enough to, uh, you know, defeat a 10-year incumbent. But but then every election after that, you know, we were getting significant support from uh, not only Democrats, but Republicans and also uh, unaffiliated voters. So, you know, our message resonated. And I think Honestly, I think that the thing that I've learned the most is is just to be transparent, not only in your and the way you run the government, but also in your answers to people. So, yeah. Simply put, if if someone comes up and says, "Mayor, can you help me with this?" and "Can you help us accomplish this?" and if it's something that is so far fetched that we can't do it. I think the simple answer is, listen, we can't do that for you yeah. or your organization. But what we can do is let's try to figure out a web, figure out something significant that may not get you exactly what you want, but might get you going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, instead of simply saying, well, let's look at it and we'll revisit it down the road. And then over time, you never revisit it and people become frustrated and they get angry. I think. I think the simple, the most simple thing that politicians can learn over what I've learned over the last 12 years is just be honest. Yeah. You can do something, do it. If you can't do something, have the courage to say, we just can't do that. Yeah. And if you can, if you have to say that to them, say, but let's try to figure out something that might 
be acceptable to you yeah. and your or your organization or even your family. Let's let's look at it collectively and let's at least try instead of just saying, nope, can't do it, move on. Let's try to work it out. But really, if you really know and deep in your heart that there's no way that you can get there, you just need to tell them that so that they're not waiting and then getting frustrated by no action. Does that yeah. make sense to you? Definitely. That's kind of the way we've been we've been running government for the last 12 years. I learned that from uh, a mayor that was mayor uh, many, many years ago. Um, I used to um, listen to him, watch him, and got to know him. And he said, Neil, if you can't do something for someone, don't string them along. Just, yeah. just be just straight with them. But it does take courage to say, I'm sorry, we just can't do it. But people will respect you more for your bluntness and your honesty than telling them we'll look at it and then just knowing so well you're not going to do anything. Just telling what they want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. We're coming into an election soon and you're not going to be running, which means soon there will be a new mayor in Waterbury for the first time in over a decade. What accomplishments, looking back, would you say summed up your time in office? What are you proud of? Oh, I'm proud of the, you know, we were, the, the city was um, struggling fiscally uh, when we came into office. We were on the rebound, no question mm -hmm. about it. Uh, but, you know, we were, you know, not that long ago, as a matter of fact, Matt, 22 years ago, we were bankrupt. Yeah. And the city was taken over and uh, by what was called the State Oversight Board. And our bond rating was triple B minus junk yeah, bond yeah. status. And, you know, we had a great group of people that uh, took uh, participated in this oversight board in uh, 2001, um, in which ran the city of Waterbury for five years and, and brought some really strong fiscal policies in place and ordinances and, you know, no more robbing Peter to pay Paul and transparent yeah. budgeting and all the things that matter. And, you know, we continued on the path that had been put in place and, and added some more fiscal guardrails, if you will, along the last 12 years. And we brought the city to a double A um, bond rating. Um, yeah. Just last year, we were we got another bond rating increase. So I'm really proud about the fiscal stability of the mm -hmm. city. I'm proud about the economic economic development projects that have grown the grand list and and uh, really made a, an impactful difference in the, again, uh, revenue coming in and, uh, you know, pretty significant budget surpluses each and every year, including this year. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of uh, the programs that we put in place uh, to help our uh, elderly population. Uh, we do provide, um, you know, $500 uh, rebates on property tax bills for our, our elderly. Uh, mm -hmm. which I'm very, very proud of because, you know, a lot of these folks are on are fixed incomes. And and as you know, inflation and other things have just gotten so out of control. The only way they can hold on to their homes uh, and their very modest homes is if we yeah. give them some sort of tax break. I'm proud of that. And I'm also really proud of the brownfield remediation we've done. Mm -hmm. uh, Waterbury has more active uh, brownfield remediation projects uh, going on than any other uh, city in Connecticut, and quite frankly, I think New England at this point. Uh, our legacy, of course, was the brass industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have, oh, probably about 50 brownfields in the city that are, uh, you know, the legacy of our brass manufacturing industry. But right now we've got about 20 active brownfield projects going on. And basically that means uh, getting um, 
cleaning those uh, polluted and, and very blighted sites and getting them back on the tax rolls, yeah. creating jobs and stability, but most importantly, um, you know, cleaning the environment, quite frankly, yeah. and uh, providing a better quality of life for our young people uh, in these neighborhoods where these factories were located. And uh, we just, uh, this weekend, we're going to cut the ribbon for a a little league, uh, beautiful little league ball field that used to be a 250,000 square foot factory that was a that was a brownfield. So, mm. you know, we've done that successfully over the last 12 years. We did it even uh, when I was police chief for the police activity league. We yeah. built a park when I was police chief that was a brownfield. We started it all the way back then. So I think overall we've improved the quality of life for the residents of the city, stabilized our finances. And I, I'm, you know, just to be, you know, as honest and transparent as I try to be, you know, my biggest challenge continues to be education. Yeah. Uh, our school district is one of the few in the state that keeps growing every year. Um, many school districts, especially in the suburban communities, have shrunk. Uh, ours has grown and we're up to about 19,000 public school, uh, public school uh, students now in the city. We're the third largest school district in uh, Connecticut. And look, we have a very diverse population that we're so very, very proud of. And many, many first generation uh, students and families uh, coming in from all over the world that we're very proud of as well. Uh, but, you know, we're, you know, poverty continues to have a negative impact on education. And the achievement gap is as significant in Waterbury as it is in other parts of the state. And uh, the one area that I wish we could do better, and, and I always will. Uh, support to try to do better, uh, even out of office, is to try to bring a better opportunities for education for all of our residents of our city. What do you think about the future of Waterbury? Is the future bright for the city? Oh, I think it's so bright. And I and I don't say that lightly. Uh, with a double A bond rating, uh, people are, businesses have moved in here and, and amazing uh uh, to see how many new businesses have come into Waterbury since we've stabilized ourselves. Uh, the 84 widening project, you can actually drive yeah. through Waterbury now instead of sitting in a bottleneck traffic for uh, 30 to 40 minutes. That was a priority of this administration, working with both governors, uh, both Malloy and uh, Lamont. Now, the train station has been redone. The, the, the train tracks between here and Bridgeport have been Resignalized uh, meeting all federal guidelines. Now we can put freight on the rail line. Uh, we saw an influx of about 4,500 new people come into Waterbury during and post COVID, mostly from wow. New York. Uh, we're grateful for that. I have to tell you, I am really uh, have such a great outlook for Waterbury um, moving forward uh, because I think the foundation is so strong. And I think, yes, it's the first time we've had really a competitive uh, uh, election for the mayor's office in 12 years. But regardless, I think whoever is the next mayor of the city of Waterbury is going to walk into a much healthier and stronger city than I did 12 years ago. And I'd love to take all the credit and I wish I could, but I just can't. Um, it's a team and it starts with the governor and it works its way through the legislature. And then, of course, our Board of Aldermen. And we feel like we're in such a great and strong place as we have companies that are continue to call us every day for tours of the city and to look at uh, potential opportunities here. 
Do we have our problems? Of course we do. Everyone does, and everyone that says they don't, well, they're not quite being honest with you. You know, I am concerned a little bit about the uptick in crime, and, uh, you know, that's not unique to Waterbury. It's all over the country, certainly. I think we all need to work together, continue to work together as we did last year on some of the issues pertaining to crime. But overall, um, and the 4,500 people who just moved into the city over over the last two years uh, will tell you that how much they enjoy in the city of Waterbury. We have a stree- extremely strong middle class uh, population. We have great neighborhoods. We have great neighborhood schools, uh, pre-K to eight schools all over the city. And, uh, you know, we're pretty darn proud of all those things. And our high schools are turning out amazing students. And those that are going off to college are doing really well. And those that are going into the workforce are doing well. The outlook is really strong, Matt. The future is bright for the Brass City. And finally, finally, what's the future hold for you? Uh, Will you continue in public service? I definitely will continue in public service. I'm not sure at what level. Um, Mm -hmm. I will always be here. Uh, you know, I'm not leaving the city of Waterbury. I'm uh, quite frankly, uh, turning 65 this year and I'm in my 43rd year of service to the city, um, continual yep. service. <laughs> so kind of thought maybe it was time to take a little bit of a break, have a brand new grandchild, first grandchild. It, certainly. Came in uh, June of this year and, uh, looking forward to spending some more time with family and friends, but also, um, you know, really looking forward to continuing uh, to give back to the city. And mm-hmm. and um, I really believe in our city and uh, I always will believe in our city. So I'm the future, I think, will be somehow being involved to the extent that people would like me to be uh, stay involved um, and also um, to provide any mentorship or guidance and, and quite frankly, to support uh, the city of Waterbury in every way possible. Great. Well, Mayor Leary, thank you for coming on the show today and speaking with us, and thank you for your service. Well, thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure, and uh, my regards to uh, Connecticut Conference of Municipalities and, and everybody within the organization. Thank you. We'd like to thank our guest, Mayor Neil O'Leary. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and housatonic.edu. The Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH 103.5 FM. Christopher Gilson is our producer, Harry draws on the boards, and I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like, and watch out for a CCM chat series on our YouTube page.